Thank you, and you may be seated. Once again, I do want to thank Crimson Avenue Baptist Church and Brother Eccles for the opportunity to get to preach. It is always a blessing as a preacher to get a place to preach. Um, I'm at, I might just to introduce myself. So I didn't do this this morning. I apologize. I'm Ben Forrester. I'm from Berean Baptist Church uh, over in Springfield. God called me to preach about six years ago. And what God has in store for me, I do not know yet. But I'm just trying to be faithful where He has placed me. And when I get opportunities like this, I'm so thankful for it because I know God wants me to preach. And so when he gives me opportunities with his help, we tried to do that. And I'm thankful um, for each one of you being here this evening. For guests who came to hear Brother Eccles, I'm sorry, that's always how it works. When you visit a church, you can just write her down. The pastor or whoever you're expecting to be there is not going to be there. That, just, that is just the rule of traveling and visiting other churches. But uh, uh, hopefully you'll get a blessing from the message. We're going to be in the book of Joshua this evening. We have a little bit of a different message. I, that's why I didn't have a passage, a specific passage read. Turn to Joshua chapter 1 as we get started. 
God has been working on my heart to start another series. I've been uh, preaching through the book of Acts as God gives me opportunity. But we're also going to be looking into an Old Testament passage. I'm just getting started with that. And so with that, we're going to give an introductory look at the book of Joshua tonight. But it's not just going to hopefully be an intellectual exercise. I think there's some great applications that we can find um, from this text for church life. Obviously, Israel is not the church. Um, but there is some very practical application we can make um, for church life uh, from the book of Joshua. And um, as we begin, we'll just read a couple verses to get started and have your Bibles ready because we are going to look at a couple passages as we get into the introduction um, this evening. But in uh, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1, it says this, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel." And God goes on to reaffirm some of his promises here. But, but as we look at Joshua chapter 1, we find Israel in a great time of transition. Can you imagine being the person that has to take over for the mighty man of God, Moses? The mo- one who went to the mount of God, saw the fire of God came down, received the table of commandments from God's written by God's own fingers, See the backside of the glory of God, and now you're the man that has to follow that. You know, sometimes if you're out preaching or you're doing something, you know, if something goes really good or somebody's doing a really good job, you never want to be that person that has to follow that thing up, you know. And can you imagine, though, being Joshua in that position where God has now called him? He was just Moses' minister at this point, but now is being called to, not, to really fulfill what God had truly promised to the nation of Israel, to take them into the promised land, something that because of Moses' disobedience, he was not allowed by God to do. Certainly was in Moses' heart to do, but, but now Joshua is going to um, fulfill that promise. And so there is a transition that's taking place. Not only is there a transition of leadership taking place, uh, Joshua is a book that shows how God keeps his promises to his people. You know, God had promised to give this land to Abraham all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. You know, Abraham is just, it's just him. And now, and he has no children. You know, he gets the promise uh, seed that he is given. But through the process of time now, God is fulfilling that to give him that land. And God's faithfulness and blessings on the nation, nation of Israel was not because of their specialness. Rather, God wanted um, to make his glory known, um, and, and he did that in the life of the people that he chose. But it wasn't because of their unique abilities. It wasn't because that they were some super special people. It was a, a chosen people of God from God's own choosing. And God wanted to make his glory known through them. Let's turn over to Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4 and verse 24. And it says, it says this here as, as God is speaking. He says that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord of your, your God forever. And so that's, that's another thing that God is trying to achieve through his people is showing his faithfulness, his glory through the nation of Israel, and he's going to do that in a very great way. He's already done it up in this, this point as he brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and all the miracles that, that he had fulfilled. But then you hear this snag of wandering 40 years in the wilderness. And can you imagine being the other nations around, seeing this huge body of people muddling their way through the wilderness for this, for this period of time till all the disobedient ones die out? But now God is going to fulfill that promise, and, and we're going to see how a God gets glory through this group of people going into a difficult land, through na- nations. When they, when they saw and looked at the promised land, they said, the walls are high, we're like grasshoppers in their sight, there's no way we can, we can achieve this. But through God's grace, through God's help, this nation that came out of Egypt as slaves are now going to get the victory over all these great and mighty nations. And 
The, the final thing that we see is the book also shows Joshua as a faithful servant and leader for God. And, um, but as it's looking at Joshua, it gives a very realistic picture to Joshua as well. You know, many times we, as history is written and, and people are, have history written about them, especially somebody that's very much pro that person, you get a very rose-colored lens of history of how things are actually, you know, you've got to kind of read between the lines to find out what the true story is. But one thing that's amazing about Scripture, and one thing that shows the truth of Scripture, is it gives a true, life, accurate picture it shows leaders with their warts and all. If they have challenges and difficulties, God doesn't hide those from us. And, and to me, that gives me great hope because I look at my life. I see the things that I do. I see my failures, my faults, all the issues that I have. And then God says he wants to use you. And I think there's no way God can use me. There's no way. I, I don't have any business being able to serve, serve God. But I, I, then I look at Scripture and find imperfect people that God uses and, and people that that God had chose and God told he wants to use. And then they still fail. But then in God's grace, even because of their failures and faults, God still chooses to give and show grace and use them again. And boy, that I'm telling you, that gives me great hope that maybe I can be used in that same way because I serve that same gracious and faithful God that Joshua did. And Joshua, you know, he led the nation of Israel against Ai without consulting the Lord. He made a treaty with the Gibeonites and just trusted their bread and their story rather than consulting God about that. Um, but though Joshua made mistakes through the life of Joshua, God blessed the nation of Israel by giving them a righteous leader. And um, I'm going to read this quote from a book about the book of Joshua. It says, Since Joshua was a faithful servant of God, raising him up had the effect of exalting the Lord he served. And ultimately, that, the, as we look through the book of Joshua, it is really all about God and his glory and how he worked in the nation of Israel. Um, but let's look at just a couple things that the nation of Israel said. Let's go back to chapter 1 here real quick. And then we'll kind of start diving into looking at the text. But, but in chapter 1 and, um, and verse 16, it says, it says this, And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commanded, commandest us, we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we had hearkened unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee, only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. And I want to read verse 18 too, because I think this is, a, this is a very interesting, it wasn't part of the notes, but it says this in eight, verse 18, Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment, and will not hearken unto the words in all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and have a good courage. Boy, that, that'll help keep you in line, won't it? <laughs> Thank, thank the Lord we don't, have, we don't have that type of uh, administration now in churches. If people fall out of line, well, we'll just kill you, and then we'll just, we'll just move on. That'll help keep you, uh, keep you in line for sure. But that's, that's what the nation of Israel said that they would do. And now let's turn back to um, Joshua chapter 24. And we see the conclusion of the book, and after all the things that have transpired in the book of Joshua that we're going to look at um, this evening, we, we find this in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. Uh, Joshua speaking says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And so we, and um, let me finish verse 18. It says, And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, 
even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. And, and so what a conclusion there that we see. They start out saying, hey, we're going to follow God. But by the time they go through all of it, we still find them saying the same thing, that they are going to follow and serve after God. Now, we know the rest of the story as we get into the judges. They didn't, they didn't stay that long on that, on that route and on that path. But, but what a testimony through this time. God's children... And us tonight, we should be challenged to follow and serve the Lord faithfully, just like um, the children of Israel did under Joshua's leadership. And so we're going to look first tonight at God's use of Joshua. And you now Joshua is just a man, but God used Joshua in a great way. And we'll look at just several, several things here. You know, the first thing that, that we notice as God used Joshua, you know, Joshua was not Moses. And, and tonight, as we get opportunities to serve God, you know, one of the things I'm reminded is we have to be ourselves. We cannot imitate the person that came before us. As you step into a position of leadership, whether it's teaching a Sunday school class or leading um, a children's ministry or leading the singing or a choir or pastoring your church somewhere, you can't do it just like that other person did. Brother Eccles. Couldn't lead just like you did, brother. And, and with that, we, as, we, as we come, we have to lead. We have to be who God made us to be. And Joshua was not Moses. And Joshua had to lead as, as the Lord chose him. But he was the man for that time that God chose him to be. And so um, and we need to trust him as God places us in a position, though we may not be the person before us, we're the, God, we're the person who God chose us to fulfill that position where we're at now. And we can trust God, and, and as God was with that person prior to us, he can be with us as well. And the second thing we see, that not only was Joshua not Moses, he was the man that the Lord chose, but we also find that God was with Joshua just as he was with Moses. And, and we look at chapter 3, we see them cross through Jordan on dry ground. Just for sake of time, we're not going to read that, but you can, you can make note, you can look back at that. You know, he, they crossed over Jordan, just like as you think about the Red Sea crossing, they had a, it wasn't the Red Sea, but it was a Jordan. And, they, and Joshua led them right to the edge of the Jordan River in its flood season. But yet they had the opportunity as they went into the promised land to tr- cross over that on dry ground. And I'm sure those who may have heard the stories, but just may, or may possibly experience as a very little child, going through that. They may not have had seen that, but may have heard the stories. Now they're getting to experience that themselves as they go into the promised land. And, uh, and in chapter 6, we see the defeat of Jericho. Go ahead and turn over there to Joshua chapter 6. And hopefully we know, we know kind of the story here. This isn't a, a purpose to try to, to preach and teach all these things. But in, in Joshua chapter 6, and verse, and verse 27, I, I love this. It says, So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was noised throughout all the country. So that's after Joshua. They marched around the city. They marched seven times on the last side. They blew the trumpets. They gave out a shout. The walls came a-tumbling down just as we, we sing the song. And, and they come in and defeat Jericho. And, and we see that that God is continuing to bless Joshua um, just as he did with Moses. And, and, and further, in chapter 10, we see the amazing miracle in chapter 10 and verse 12. They have a great victory over um, the, the various kings that came up against Gibeon. And in, in Joshua chapter 10 and verse 12, and it says, Then spake Joshua, to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Agilon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and hasted not to go down about a whole day. And there was no day like, like that before it, or after it, that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. 
And, and not only that, we see that in, later on in Joshua, they defeat many kings. 31 different kings are ultimately defeated as they go into the promised land. And, and God gave Joshua success in bringing the children of Israel into the promised land, just like he said he was. Um, and Joshua was instructed, as Joshua was instructed to carry on Moses' work, at the very end of Joshua, now he then instructs the children of Israel to carry on the work beyond him. And in Joshua chapter 23, in Joshua chapter 23, we find that, that he is instructing, he's kind of giving his final words to the nation of Israel. And in, in chapter 23 and verse 6, it says, Be ye therefore very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that ye turn not aside therefrom from the right hand or to the left, that ye come not among these nations, these that remain among you, neither make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause to swear, swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves unto them, but cleave unto the Lord your God, as ye have done this day. So he instructs the children of Israel, keep following God. Don't follow after the nations. There was incomplete obedience even during Joshua's time, that they fully did not drive all the children of, of Am, the Ammonites and the Canaanites and all the ites that were there in the promised land. And he warns them about what will happen and what their tendency will be. And, and they did end up falling into that, but Joshua charged them to carry out the work after he was gone. But Joshua did succeed in carrying out that work. As we, as we see in chapter 24 and verse 31, we see Joshua through his faults and failures, ultimately did succeed. Because it says in verse 31, And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua, and which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. So, so we see in, in the person of Joshua, God used in a great way. Um, and, and he was faithful. And he fulfilled the work that, that he was commanded to do. But that wasn't the only thing that was necessary. It wasn't just Joshua. We also see the nation of Israel, and we find their obedience. You know, the nation of Israel, though they are not known, as you read through your Bible, they are not known for their great obedience. I mean, they gave Moses trouble. They gave even Joshua some trouble, very little trouble. Then you see in the judges just the great decline of the nation of Israel, and even into the kings. And then and in the whole life cycle of the nation of Israel, there has been great disobedience. But through their time under the ministry of Joshua, Joshua, the nation of Israel largely was faithful to serve the Lord, just like it says here in the passage we just read. And um, the success of Joshua was not his alone because it was dependent on the nation of Israel to follow him. You know, Joshua had to have people. Joshua couldn't just say, hey, everybody, let's go, into the, let's go into the promised land. If all the people just stayed on the other side of the Jordan River, he had to have people follow with him. He had to have people that were committed to following God, to serving God, to fulfilling the will of God. So the success of Joshua was dependent on the people, them following the Lord as Joshua followed, um, as Joshua followed the Lord, they followed Joshua. And, you know, we, we find that the people were obedient. They followed Joshua to the brink of the Jordan River. They hadn't heard what the exact plan was, but, 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 they, but they followed him. You know, you think about the nation of Israel. Joshua says, here's what the Lord told me to do, guys. We're going to march around Jericho. And, and you, you think about that. And you even, you even think about times when God impresses on the pastor to lead in a certain direction. And, and God is working in somebody's heart to do a certain thing. And you're thinking, that seems crazy. Imagine what the people thought here. I mean, let's get real for a second. Put yourselves in shoes. Guys, we're just going to march around Jericho. That, that seems absolutely crazy. But what Joshua was doing is he was following the Lord. And, but the people, they followed Joshua. They weren't worried about what, um, you know, that, that was up for the people to follow Joshua. You know, that was between Joshua and God, whether he was giving them the right commandments. And God could deal with Joshua. If he stepped out of line, it was the people's job to follow Joshua as he led them. And they were faithful to that. 
You know, they even followed Joshua back to Ai after they had suffered a humiliating defeat. I, I see one of the things that we find great victory in the nation of Israel during this time was that the people truly did follow God as Joshua um, followed God. And, and they succeeded in taking the land. They succeeded in defeating their enemies. And you see time and time again them going up against impossible odds. I mean, these people did not have chariots. These people were not trained soldiers. But yet, God gave the victory. Amen. And even, even in the people, you find people like Caleb who were willing to trust God and to claim his uh, inheritance just as the Lord promised. You know, I love it how Caleb goes back to Joshua and he's like, uh, Joshua, you know, God gave us a promise. He said that mountain that we tread on when we went into the promised land the first time and we said we should go, God promised that to us. And he's like, I may be 85 years old, but I want to I cash in on that promise. And, and he did. And he, and he wholly followed the Lord. And that, that is just a great testimony that no matter what age we may find us in, God still has a purpose for us. And it is not time for us to check out that we may reach a certain point in our life where we may figure that we are done. You know, if, if God has still left us here, he has a purpose and a plan for each and every one of us. And, and we need to seek that and desire to fulfill it. And even we find examples like that in Judges of people like that, wholly following the Lord. And then finally, we find the Lord's faithfulness is evident throughout the entire book of Joshua. You know, God promises Joshua that he will be with him. Let's, let's skip back. We're going to kind of keep jumping back and forth here as we cycle through these different uh, people that we're looking at. But, but we do certainly find the faithfulness of God here. In, in uh, chapter 1 and verse 3, he says, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread on, that I have given un- that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. What a great promise. Boy, that would give you great confidence as Joshua. When God's telling you that, when you see this, this task that seems completely impossible. But as, as, even as a, as a church here in Nixon, Missouri, you know, you're commissioned by God to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's an impossible task. That's an impossible task in our own flesh to try to accomplish that. That's why we need the power of God. But the same God that promised that to Joshua gives us those same promises to us today that he will be with us, that he will empower us to fulfill the Great Commission. And with God's help, nothing is impossible. Just like it wasn't here, in this, though these tasks seemed insurmountable, with God's help, they were able to do that. You know, God protected the spies that go into Jericho in chapter 2. God dried up the Jordan River during flood season to allow them to go over on dry ground. Um, After Joshua failed to inquire of the Lord and trusted in himself to lead Israel to attack Ai and was defeated, God allowed them to defeat Ai in his grace after uh, they dealt with the sin of Achan. So God, though God is faithful, we still must deal with sin. And the nation of Israel had to deal with that sin um, of Achan um, as before they could go and have that victory. You know, God gave the Israelites victory over the five kings of the Amorites after they were tricked by the Gibeonites and did not ask the Lord about them. You know, I love this. I love it so much how God is faithful and gracious to us, even though we fail him. God, God knows who we are. Um, God knows we are, are sinful. God knows we are flesh, but yet he still chooses to use us. And then, and then finally, we also see that the Lord ultimately gets... It wasn't Joshua's great tactical skills. It wasn't Israel's great fighting ability. Although they had to fight and they all had to use tactics. Um, let's, let's look at chapter 10 real quick. In Joshua chapter 10, in verse 14, 
at the end of that verse, we're, we're reminded, for the Lord fought for Israel. Look down in verse, at verse 42 of chapter 10. And all these kings and their land did Joshua take one at a time, because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. And then back in, in chapter 23, I'll just save you turning there, but in Joshua chapter 23 and verse 3, And ye have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto all these nations because of you, for the Lord your God is he that hath fought for you. So before they could get really prideful about what they had accomplished and all that they had done for God, God reminds them, no, it wasn't you. And any goodness that we find in ourselves or any success we find in the Lord's work, the souls that are saved, the things that we are able to do, for, it, it is not us. And we need to remember that. It, it is not our, and sometimes we have a tendency, our flesh wants to think, oh, man, church is going good. You know why? Because I'm just such a great preacher, or I'm just so smart, or, you know, it's because of this program we came up with. Boy, let me, let me instruct some of you other pastors out here. This program we've got going on at our church, and we've seen, no, it's all the work of God. It is, it is only by His grace. Any goodness that we find in ourselves is only the goodness of God that He, he gives us and is allowed to work through our lives. So tonight, um, as, as we consider the book of Joshua there is some application for us. And there are some things that, that we can take with us. You know, as I think about Crimson Avenue Baptist Church for a second, I think about a church in transition. Not in a version transition or a translation transition or anything like that, thank the Lord. But you are in a transition. Certainly, you're, you've got plans. You've got things you are trying to accomplish here in Nixon. It, it is very evident. Man, you sold the old building. You've bought the land. You've got another building, a temporary building. That's not even the building that, that you're ultimately going to... I've seen the plans. I've looked at it online. You guys have things where you are going and things that you want to do, with, um, do for the Lord. And you are blessed with a pastor who is seeking to follow the Lord and to follow His will and, and praise the Lord for that. And you have a church. You have, have people here that are desiring to seek and to follow and serve and honor God to reach lost souls here. And you know what else? You've got the same faithful God that Joshua and the children of Israel did. And some people want to say, man, you guys have a huge task ahead of you. To build that building. To do all this work. And we don't have a million people here to do it. But you know what? The nation of Israel didn't have the resources they needed. They didn't have, they weren't equipped. And I mean, if you just look at it on paper, there was no way they could do it all. They couldn't even get across the river without God's help. I mean, try to get a million people across a flooded river. There's no way. It was all because of God. And you know what? Tonight, if you are going to accomplish what God wants you to do, it is not going to be in your own ability, folks. It is only going to be with a great God. The God of Je Joshua, the God of Israel, is going to allow you to accomplish these things for him. And, you know, as, as I think about this, and as I look at these characteristics that Joshua and the nation of Israel had, I'm just reminded tonight, you know, as, as we think about the leader that God has given you, I, I am reminded how we ought to follow and support our pastor. You know, pastors are a gift from God. They're not perfect. They are flesh. They are not always going to do exactly what you think they ought to do. And, and, and they're not even always going to make the right decision. But you know what? That's between them and God. You know what? Joshua didn't always make the right decision either. He, he got ahead of God at times. He stepped out and did things that he shouldn't have. But yet God blessed him and God blessed the nation because he is a gracious and faithful God. And God can even still do that, even if the pastor makes the wrong, wrong call. You know what? I have learned that God can still work around the pastor. He is still gracious to help. He has helped me so many times. I have made such dumb mistakes. You look at scripture, you look at truth, you look at what your wife tells you, and guess what you do? Something totally different. And guess what? It doesn't always work out how you hoped and thought it would, does it? But you know what? 
God is still able to work in those things. God is able to still work around and bless and take care of us. And, you know, it is not our excuse to try to wrest responsibility, leadership, people's hearts away from the pastor during those times. And I'm not accusing you guys of saying, oh, man, there's, there's great trouble in Crimson Avenue Baptist Church. But at the same time, we're flesh and we have the tendency to want to be in charge. And, and that is why we need to support our pastor. And, you know, one of the ways we can help avoid that is by praying for our pastor. He needs God to grow him. He needs God to shape him and mold him into the person that, that he wants to be. He needs protection from the enemy. He needs protection from his own flesh. He needs a close walk with the Lord. He needs the power of God in his life. And, you know, if the Apostle Paul wanted people to pray for him, our pastor needs people praying for him as well. You know, the, the other thing that we can do is we can encourage our pastor. We can say amen. amen. When he preaches something that is the truth of God's word, let him know, hey, amen. I agree with you, brother. We're with you. That is an encouragement to a pastor to hear. And I'm not trying to push an amen button. You don't have to say amen at all. I'm, I'm good with what I, I'm preaching. And I know Brother Eccles is as well. But at the same time, that is an encouragement. You talk to any preacher. Amen. It can be lonely up there sometimes. When you're, you're trying to open the Word of God. And sometimes you're trying to say something that you know isn't popular. That if you look at our culture and what our culture believes and the way our culture thinks... And you, and you proclaim, thus saith the Lord, and it is absolute crickets out there. You know, you don't have the little sound effect playing, but you might as well during that, that pregnant pause. What a ble- that is That's tough. And you sometimes wonder, if, and sometimes, though, it's people just thinking and processing, but at the same time, a pastor needs to know that the church is behind him, that the church is supporting him, that the church agrees with what the Word of God says as well. You know, let him know that you're thankful for him. That could be a note, that could be a call, that could just be an after service. Thank you, Pastor, for ministering to my heart. That, God used that in my life. There's some things I've been going through, and that was helpful. And just let him know, even just by the affect on your face, you can let the pastor know you're with him. And that, that is a wonderful thing. And the second, second thing we can find tonight as we, as we think about the people, we need to be, as a congregation, and you need to be, as a congregation, obedient to the Lord. Each individual inside the church plays a critical role. There's no insignificant person in the body of Christ, which is a local New Testament assembly. There's no insignificant church member. As, as you think about Achan's sin, as it's, as it's recorded in the early chapters of the book of Joshua, one person's sin derailed everything that the nation of Israel was trying to do. And that sin must, had to be dealt with before they could move forward. Do not be the person that is holding your church back because of your sin. Um, And, you know, Israel's success didn't rest solely on Joshua. Each Israelite had a job to do. They had to follow. And, you know, our church's success depends on each of us doing our part in following the pastor as he follows the Lord. You know, I I was fortunate, you know, at Brian Baptist Church, I grew up thinking, Everything just happened automatically because it did. Trash got emptied. Floors magically got vacuumed. Tithes and offerings got collected and dealt with. Lights turned on. The yard got mowed. All these things. I just got, you know, I just showed up. I was just a kid. I showed up and all these things were just all taken care of. And then I went to another church in my college years, a smaller church, and realized, you know, that if I didn't show up for visitation, there wouldn't be a visitation program. Or if I didn't sign up to clean the church, the church wouldn't get clean. We, we all have a role we have to play. We all can do our part. And, and no part within that, in that service is insignificant. And, and I just want to encourage you folks tonight, you know, God is depending on you. He doesn't need any one of us, but we will miss out on a blessing if we don't participate in his work. And, you know, the, the, the other thing I want to encourage you tonight is be committed to following the Lord no matter what. There was, there was a lot that was called upon the nation of Israel to do, 
and they were committed to it, and they followed through, and God blessed them for it. And, and, and we as a church also need to have that same commitment. Let's be dedicated to serving and following no matter whatever everybody else does. We need, need, we need to be dedicated to say, you know, even if brother so-and-so isn't going to show up for visitation, guess what? I'm going to be here. Even if brother Eccles decided, I'm just not showing up for church. I should be committed to the Lord and the service of his church. And I'm going to show up and be here because what we are doing is important. Because God's work is important, and I am committed to it, and I want to serve Him, and God has given me a place to do that. We should have that type of commitment to serve the Lord. And so, so church, be committed. And then also, as we're committed, let's encourage one another and, and be involved and encourage them to help serve together. You know, in, in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, it says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. You know, we have a responsibility. You know, God's really been dealing with, this, with me about this recently. That as we come to church, we have ministry opportunities just right here in church. We have fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that need to be ministered to. We, we, we have ministry. There are people that have things, real things going on in their life. Real needs, real problems, real worries, real cares. And if we just come fill our spot, sing our songs listen to the preaching, shake hands and go out, we have missed out on ministry opportunity. We, we, we need to minister to one another within, within the body of Christ that he has placed us. But we, but we find something else in verse 25. It goes on to say, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves to, ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. It means we should be doing more of this, not less. And, as, and as, we, as we finally look, we need to remember that God is trustworthy and God is faithful. You know, as, as we look at our God, we look at the God of Israel and Jacob, and, and not Jacob, but Joshua, he was the God of Jacob too, but we serve that same God. And he is so faithful to us. You know, God will never fail us. He was with Moses he was with Joshua. He was with the children of, of Israel. And he will love and be with us as well. You know, God wants to fight our battles. But we must let him fight those battles. So many times we want to wrest the control. We want to take it into our own hands to do it. But we must not try to get the victory in ourselves. We have to do it with his help. And, and God, he loves you and he wants what is best for you. And he wants that for your life. You know, I, I, I was just thinking about this. My wife was reminding me two years ago, um, two years ago in August, I got really sick with COVID and, and nearly died. I mean, my family all told me by, I was hospitalized for, for 87 days before it was all said and done with. And this, this day was the day I finally woke back up. They said, yo, you'll just be out for a couple weeks, everything should be fine. Hopefully everything will be fine after that two weeks. Well, I started doing worse after that time. Then finally I started doing a little bit better. Finally they took all the drugs off of me. But guess what? I just wouldn't wake up. And finally they just told my wife, you just need to let him die with dignity and just move on with life. But you know, God is in control. He knows what's best. And, and, and though my family got precisely what they wanted in this circumstance for me to actually come back from it, you know what, even if I didn't make it through it, God is still faithful. God still loved my family. God is still good in those times. And <clears throat> he does want what's best. So many times we don't believe that. And at times, though, he will convict. He will chastise. He will do things to get our attention and to move us back into right fellowship with him. If we, I mean, he judged Israel. They lost the battle of Ai. But why did he do those things? Because he was mad at them? No. It was because he truly loved them and wanted to get them back on the right course where they needed to be. And so, so tonight, I just want to challenge us that God is faithful. 
God is good. You know, and, and Joshua paints that picture in such a great way. You know, God wants to use his man. He wants to use his people. But ultimately, what is it for? It is so God can get the honor and glory and praise he deserves. And he is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our worship. What we're doing tonight is very, very important in the kingdom of God. He, he wants to use this church to do great things. And, and this church can do great things for God. If you're just satisfied with this number of people and, and just going about and just having our church, that is not what God has in mind for you. There, there is a city here that needs the Lord. As you, as you talk to the folks in Nixa, not everybody in Nixa is saved. I, I, I trust that there's actually a very, very small percentage. And then you go look as you drive down by James River. Or there's nobody here tonight, but yesterday, this morning, boy, there were sure a whole lot of people down there. But even as you talk to go people there, they don't know what the Word of God says. They don't even know how to have a relationship with Jesus. They know this, man, it's really cool there. But Southwest Missouri needs churches who are preaching the Word of God that are communicating to people how they can have a true relationship with Jesus Christ. Nixon needs the truth. Springfield needs the truth. And, and God has chosen the foolishness of the gospel to save them to believe. And he chose to do that through churches, just like this one here. And I, I just want you all to be encouraged tonight. Let's be obedient to the Lord. Let's follow him. He has given us a great work to do. It may seem impossible, but we can do impossible things through an all-powerful God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your goodness to us, that, that you give us church, that we give us your word, that you are, are so great and powerful and loving, that, that you care about us so much, Lord. And I thank you for Crimson Avenue. I thank you for each person that's here. I pray that you would just help them as they endeavor to carry out your work here. I, I pray that as we have this time of invitation, that you would uh, just speak to hearts and accomplish your will in each life here. If there's someone here that hasn't accepted Christ as their Savior, Lord, uh, please work on their heart about that. And Lord, I pray that you would just do your work and your will as only you can. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand and we'll just have a hymn of invitation. The piano will play if you just need to talk to the Lord where you're at. We won't belabor it, but at the same time, we want to give opportunity to respond to the Word of God as it's been preached. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for being here today. Hope you've been blessed. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here with you all. It's, I've certainly been blessed for being here. Um, keep praying for your pastor while uh, he's gone. Pray that God will bring him back safely, that he'll be able to be a blessing while he is there in Australia to his brother. And he's also going to visit some of our missionaries, the Shropes, while he's there too, that he can be a blessing to them. And so let's just be dismissed in a word of prayer. Any other announcements or anything, Miss Sherry? Okay. All right. Thank you all for being here tonight. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for this church. pray that you would bless um, just each person that's here. I pray that you would use each of our lives for your glory and honor. Help us to fulfill your will in our life. Help us to be faithful servants for you this week. I pray that you would dismiss us with your blessings. Give us safety as we travel to our destinations. 
Help us to be the salt and the light in this dark world that you, that you would have us to be, Lord. Help this church. Bless it. Um, help them as they get their building wrapped up. Um, help them to get that done so they can get into their new building. Uh, bless Brother Eccles and watch over him while he's traveling and bring him back home uh, safely. Bless those that are sick and can't be here. I pray that you would just touch and bless each one of them. And just uh, dismiss us now with your blessings, Lord. We love you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all, and you're dismissed.